the top five, a show where we count things down from number five all the way to number one. And this week, of course, it being the first week in January, everybody wants a best of list, but we're not doing that. No, we're not doing a best of list. We're doing a top yeah. five list. And that top five <laughs> is going to be spread across anything. Uh, top, you know, uh, I am specifically looking at this as favorites of mine, not necessarily looking at things that... Um, Everyone else considers the best of list because, uh, quite frankly, yeah. I didn't see every movie or listen to every album or read every comic book that was released in 2023. So of the things that I indulged in in media, uh, that's what I'm picking from for my top five. And, of course, Rodrigo is here and Matthew is here. Matthew, why don't we start off with your number five of 2023? Sure. My number five actually is, uh, I think, a late entry because... I accidentally caught it in mid-November, and it is a movie, but I think it's a movie with an asterisk, because I don't know if it was released in theaters, but I definitely saw it somewhere on one of my uh, cable streaming services, of which I have way too many, and it was the 2023 remake of The Kane Mutiny Court Martial. And I I want to point this out. This is a very interesting movie to me because I'm old now, but I remember being really young and seeing Kiefer Sutherland, who ends up playing Lieutenant Commander Queeg, Captain Queeg, in this film. I remember seeing him when he was a cool young 20-something vampire eating people on the beaches of Santa Carla. And I'm like, how will I ever believe him as this weird, over-the-hill, nervous wreck of a captain? And I got to tell you, it works. And it works really, really well. And I don't know if I believe any of the rumors about uh, the relationship that he has with his father, Donald Sutherland. But as this movie begins, I swear to you, Kiefer is doing a dead, solid, perfect impersonation of Donald Sutherland. And of course, I know I've seen The Kane Mutiny. I know I have seen it. I remember seeing... Um, Humphrey Bogart spinning two little metal spheres in his hands and going derp de derp de derp. But most importantly, I didn't remember how it ended. And so when I saw this, not only was I absolutely delighted by the the all of the acting, by the directing, it's a really, really sharp script, but the ending just completely caught me by surprise. So just a hundred percent across the board. If you have not seen it, I would definitely check it out. Very cool. All right, Rodrigo, what do you have for your top five of 2023 in your number five slot? In my number five type slot, um, I have, if if you guys are sort of in my social media, you may have started to realize that I've been getting into K-pop. Yeah, um, who hasn't only, been getting into K-pop? Sure, but only like very specific things. Like there's, I don't like a lot of pop music in general. Um, so usually a, a, a song, you know, and like K-pop songs are 10 things, right? They're a music video, they're the song, they're the choreography. Um, and it's all sort of presented as a single package. Um, so out of all the stuff that I heard that came out in 2023, um, Probably the one that I was most impressed by was a song called None of My Business by the band Itzy. Um, it is a summer breakup song, which, again, a lot of pop songs are 
especially from from the girl groups, are either about love, like ongoing love, or being into someone, or about being a cool girl and no one's going to stop me. So it was nice to see like a vulnerable breakup song. Uh, again, it's very like summer themed, so it's like who hasn't spent a summer where they were like broken up at the end of the school year or something like that, and then had to deal with like the whole summer of feeling sad. So mm-hmm. um, you know. Good music video, good music, good choreography. This is one of a few songs that I would actually listen to by themselves without watching the video. Um, there's a lot of songs that I like because of the choreography or because of like sort of like the, the whole package, right? It's like this is something cool to sit down for two and a half minutes to look at. Okay, because all because all K-pop songs are like super long. Mm-hmm. Um. So, but this one, I can I can take any of the individual parts um, and and still enjoy them. So that's my number five of twenty twenty three. Very cool. All right, my number five is also in the music category. And while some people might put BTS or Blackpink uh, on the top of their list, or maybe even Taylor Swift or the new Ice Spice album, I was totally surprised in October of this year when Blink one eighty two and Sigur Ross both appeared on my Apple Music list with new albums. And to be honest, I saw Blink-182 and I said, I thought that they kind of broke up. I didn't think that they were doing anything anymore. And so I started listening to the new Blink-182 album one more time, pretty much constantly since that album came out. Um, There are some people that really dislike this album because they're just like, oh, here's a bunch of old guys trying to sound like they did when Enema of the State or Take Off Your Pants and Jacket uh, came out. And... uh, we don't need any more of that. We want something new. And to me, I'm like, well, I kind of like, uh, the sound that they had with Enema of the state or, 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 you know, the other albums, uh, you know, dude ranch. Uh, I'm, and, I, I want more. What a, and what a great opportunity for new blink One Eighty Two fans to go back and find out what their albums were called back in the day. Yes, right? exactly. Right. But so that is also kind of part of the reason why I think some younger reviewers, don't care for the Blink-182 album because as I'm listening to it, I'm like, okay, it starts out with Anthem Part 3, which is definitely a response to Anthem Part 2. And I'm sitting there and listening to this. I'm like, okay, this is good. This is good. And then all of a sudden I start listening to the lyrics and I start listening to, um, what's the the drummer's name? Baker, I think is his name. Um, Barker, I'm like, Travis Barker. Barker, that's it. And I'm like, oh, they are a little slower, still good. And there seems to be a lot of melancholy in the lyrics and in the songs. Whereas when you listen to Enema of the State or Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, this was this thing of, um, we're not going to live forever, so screw you guys. And, it, you know, the skater punk attitude of Southern California kind of stuff that you got in there in their early albums. There's suddenly this realization in this album that it's like, oh, we aren't going to live forever. And there are regrets that they have about losing, uh, contact with one another or going through tragedies or going through breakups. And this time, instead of going through the breakup and saying, ah, you know, screw it, I'm going to go do my own thing and I'll be with another girl. And yeah, I'm a screw up, but who cares? Uh, nobody's going to live forever. Now it's like, I kind of do regret the breakups and the screw ups and the things that I did. And so Quitting this is what's that quitting the acrobats. Yeah. This is really one of those moments where it's like, Oh, if you are of a certain age and you have been following Blink-182 since they first debuted, then this is the natural evolution of their music. 
right? This is this is something that makes sense to those people. If you're a 20 something or a 30 something listening to this, I don't think you have the perspective of the 20 or 30 years, 30 plus years that this band has been together. And suddenly it just all makes sense. And it's really good. There are a couple of really great tracks on the album. Uh, but overall, I really enjoy this a lot. So Blink It 182's One More Time is my number five slot for music. My favorite music of 2023. Nice. All right. We are in our number four slot. Matthew, what do you have for number four? That's actually not a joke, by the way. Travis Parker was yeah. an aquabat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Anyway, my number four has nothing to do with music because I'm old and there was no music this year as far as There's I Blink-182 and Sigur Ross. Sigur Ross also had an album out this year, which is also very, very cool. So uh, I don't think I've ever listened to a Sigur Ross album. It's, a, it's a, a Scandinavian kind of uh, instrumental new I'm, wave kind of stuff. I'm familiar with this, but no. I'm a nerd, and so my number four is a comical comic book from one of the big two companies, which is relatively rare for me, because anymore I find myself really gravitating towards weird off-brand comics, or in the case of things like, you know, your Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, I'm reading licensed stuff that comes from companies that are not in the big two, but 2023 actually brought us one of my favorite books. Uh, it is called after the main character, Scarlet Witch, colon, volume three. I think the volume three may actually be unspoken. But uh, if you've been paying attention, you know that there was uh, wacky craziness going on within the X-Men titles throughout 2023. And so even though the Scarlet Witch is sort of the daughter of Magneto, not really, it turns out they're not related, and sort of an X-Man, not really, even though her brother was for a while, she ended up being a character that they called, I, I believe, the uh, Redeemer of Krakoa. And what that has basically meant is that she has come into her power. She's finally accepting her full power. She has opened a little shop somewhere in, I don't know, I think it's in, in Manhattan or upstate New York. And... Wherever you are, if you're a person in, in trouble and you walk through a particular door and you're looking for help, you will end up in her store in upstate New York and she will use her magical powers to help you. It's really neat because, first of all, it's uh, the first appearance of someone who may or may not be Darcy from the MCU as played by Kat Dennings. Certainly she's drawn just like Kat Dennings. And by the way, the art is really, really wonderful. And Sarah Pacelli is one of the uh, artists that we've seen on this first arc. But it's written by Steve Orlando, who I remember working for DC for a very long time, for like maybe the last three or four years, and doing some of the best stuff of the DC Rebirth era. But if you haven't been checking it out, it's definitely, it's it's that just that moment where she kind of gets a power not necessarily a power boost because it's always been there, but people just finally are starting to admit and recognize uh, the level of power that the Scarlet Witch holds. There's a beautiful moment where she comes face to face with Nightmare, who has vexed Doctor Strange for years and years and years. And Nightmare's like, do you think that, you know, you can do this little mutant girl? And she's like, not a mutant, not little, not a girl. 
And it's a really, really strong just character piece for the Scarlet Witch. I feel like it may be what she needs to finally be centered as something other than, you know, what she's been since about 2005, which is the crazy girl. So a plot device. Scarlet Witch. Yeah, exactly. Well, Bendis's arc made her everybody's crazy ex-girlfriend. So everything that she did seemed to be centered around she used to date the Vision. She used to date Hawkeye. All of these things are happening. And so she's like the crazy ex that they all commiserate about. And I hated it. And now she's literally a peer of Doctor Strange. And he treats her as an equal. And it's it's the weirdest and most wonderful thing you're going to read in a while. So Cool. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number four slot? Uh, my number four, I think, is going to surprise people that it's as slow as it is. Um, but you have to understand that I'm not a Zelda guy. Mm. I I played Ocarina of Time, and I played a little bit of Majora's Mask, and I played, um, you know, I played Breath of the Wild, and I thought it was a fantastic game, and so. When Tears of the Kingdom came out, I did the same thing that I did with Breath of the Wild. I didn't go out and buy it. And I waited until, you know, uh, li- literally I started playing it around, well, right after Christmas because I got it for Christmas this year. Um, so I waited because it came out at the very beginning or pretty close to the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. I waited until now to start playing it. And it is as good as as they say. But again, I'm not a like, I'm not this guy, right? I'm like this is a game where if you look at the stuff that I like doing in games like and the stuff that this game wants me to do the Venn diagram is actually surprisingly small but this game is so well made right Tears of the Kingdom is such a good game the physics the um all the thought that was put together towards all like the mechanical stuff that you have to do mm-hmm. is really amazing this is all things that people have said before, uh, but it's true and it's good enough to the point where somebody who wouldn't normally care about this sort of game, meaning me, I'm here, you know, sitting around being like, oh, I'll play for half an hour. And two hours later, I'm like, oh, I'm late for work. <laughs> so, uh, what year is it? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, my number four, uh, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah, if you were to ask my kids what uh, video game they love this year, Definitely, they would have had Tears of the Kingdom on their list. Um, but I I didn't play it. Uh, I've got a Switch, but I did not play Tears of the Kingdom. I haven't even finished Breath of the Wild yet. So um, that's kind of telling because in 2022, I fell in love with uh, the TRPG games like XCOM 2 and Hard West. And as I started getting into 2023 and playing those games, the one video game that I was most excited about releasing this year was the Lamplighters League, which did come out in October of this year. And I just have been having fun with this game since its release. The concept is, if you're familiar with tactical RPG games, uh, that's what this is. If you're familiar with XCOM, uh, then you know what this game is. The difference is, this one is set uh, just before World War II in an alternative universe where spooky monster-type things exist. It is very much up my alley, especially with what we're doing with critical hit right now with the punch all Nazis uh, game. There aren't Nazis in this game, but there are this military unit run by these three. um, 
I don't want to, they're not monarchs, they're not mafia bosses, but they're kind of that way. And they're all trying to get into the, essentially the tower, the, the um, tower at the end of the world, which is the tower of Babel, which allows you to control great power. And whoever has control of that uh, eventually will take over the world. And it's a great concept and the style and the look is great. I have enjoyed playing it. I'm not that great at it, uh, but I still enjoy playing it and going through all the different missions. Unfortunately, the game did not sell very well. And at the end of 2023, just like two months later, uh, the games company announced that they were releasing the final patch of the game. And that's it for the game. So no more updates, no more DLCs, none of that stuff coming for the Lamplighters League. But I loved it for what it was, and the Discord channel is still always actively buzzing with people that are doing things. Unfortunately, it just didn't hit the numbers that everyone else wanted it to, or I guess the um, the game's uh, corporate overlords wanted them to, and so it's not continuing. But it was by far my favorite game of 2023. All right, we are moving into our number three slot, and Matthew, what do you have for number three? Gotta unmute. So uh, my Discord updated, and now the button that I used to push to mute to make it light is now light. So when I push it, it's dark. And I don't know how that happened or why that happened, but I'm very mad about it. So anyway, I got that going for me, which is nice. Um, Part of the reason that I don't like end-of-year lists or end-of-decade lists is because a lot of the times they tend to be heavily front-loaded with stuff that came out near the end of the year. You know, the Oscars are always like, here's the stuff that came out three weeks ago and everything that came out at the beginning of the year we probably talked about last year. But I believe in like late January of 2023, we got one of the most wonderful series that i've seen on television in a long time to literally this is this is how good it was i watched the first episode and subscribed to the streaming service in order to watch the remainder of the show and i don't do that that is not something that i do i hate subscribing to streaming services i hate you know having to go and do any type of work i want my i want my pizza and my my cable and all of my stuff to just come to me so when i actually bought peacock to watch poker face you should know exactly what you're dealing with and it's not just a really good kind of retro show for old people although it is that if you've ever watched a quinn martin production of like barnaby jones if you really love the Rockford Files, if you love something like Monk or yeah, this you know, is, the classic Columbo. Yeah, I was going to say, this is very much not a Rockford Files show. It's more of a Columbo show. But I feel like it has the same sort of vibe in that it's not a mystery show, and yet it's got these elements to it. In, the, in any case, it is just a tour de force for the main actress. Uh, Natasha Leone is just killer in this show and everybody who shows up as a guest everybody is hey it's that guy there's actually a wonderful episode where we we go to texas and we meet this barbecue a guru and i'm like okay who are they going to have playing this big giant barbecue guru and it turns out they have lil rel 
And that is just incredible. It's such great casting across the board. And as the show goes on, I think there's only like eight episodes. No, actually, it looks like there's 10 episodes of season one. But every episode has something just absolutely weird and endearing and different about it. And I still quote bits and pieces of it. There's a point where uh, Hong Chao, of all people, is playing an over-the-road trucker hopped up on some sort of goofball. And she's talking to Natasha Leone, and there's this moment of awkward silence. And Hong Chao is like, so I'm getting the whole not going to hook up here vibe. And I'm just like, that is such a great, terrible, but great line. If you haven't seen it, uh, I think it's still only available on Peacock. So you got to give your money to NBC Universal. But I say, honestly, it's worth it. If you, if you have not seen it, I want you to check it out. If you have seen it, I want you to yell, oh, heck yeah, on the bus or in your car, wherever you are, and let your kid or the bus driver yell at you. My number three, Poker Face, great show. Everybody was talking about it for like a minute and a half, and then the world changed and no one's heard of it again, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it. it um, I think like most of us, uh, we subscribe to Peacock so we could watch uh, poker face. And then immediately after poker face was uh, the last episode aired, I went and canceled my Peacock subscription. So I think it's, while it's a very, very good show. Did you watch the save by the bell reunion where they're like, Oh, screech died. Oh, it was so sad. I watched the only thing that I paid to, on the, the Peacock streaming service was poker face. Everything else was, uh, not anything that I watched, including any of the, um, uh, Star Trek, I guess, was over on Paramount, but that's the yeah. only thing I watched. And literally after it was over, I canceled it. It's a Ryan Johnson joint. Uh, yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, and I might be, we might Probably. see Poker Face hit regular broadcast television this year because of the strike. And, the strike, and everybody is scrambling to try to fill stuff. Like only murders in the building is going to be airing on broadcast television as are a bunch yeah. of other things. So there's a good chance that people are going to wow. see it, but um, yeah, it was a very good, it was a very good television show and I, I enjoyed it. So there you go. Yeah. Um, Rodrigo, what do you got for your number three? Uh, my number three is an anime type cartoon show. Uh, I came across it. Uh, I started seeing advertisements for it before it came out, and I thought it looked really interesting. Uh, the issue was that it, it's a zombie, uh, a zombie apocalypse uh, show, and I, I was honestly tired of zombies before, like The Walking Dead, the comic came out. Right, <laughs> like we had already been exposed to a lot of zombies in those years. Um, and but but the basic premise of the show really made me curious to watch it and the premise is the main character uh works set in japan in the modern day works at an office that is extremely exploitive like he um he go all he does all day is go to work and then come home and try to sleep and doesn't get any sleep just like stares at his TV or his computer, then goes to work the next day. It's awful, right? Um, I don't know if you guys have seen pictures of those like little tiny Japanese apartments. Mm -hmm. um, right. And those little tiny J Japanese apartments just like completely 
covered in like garbage bags. Like this is how this is how he's living, right? He's like been completely ground down to nothing. And then the zombie apocalypse happens. And as he realizes it, and as he's being chased down by a pack of horrifying zombies, he realizes he doesn't have to go to work today. And <laughs> it is it is the best day of his life. And that's how this starts. And it just goes from there. Um, it gets it has some really wacky things that happen. It has, as you might expect from zombie media, some like serious stuff that happens. Uh, a lot of introspection. It starts out by basically saying we live in a toxic work culture, right? And where do we go from there? What would you do if all of a sudden society fell apart? And I, I can certainly tell you that when he said, I don't have to go to work anymore, I thought, well, you know, I never thought about that. It's like if, if society did collapse, I wouldn't have to go to work. Like that's a plus for the downfall of society, I guess. Um, but yeah, I strongly recommend that you guys check it out. It's uh, mostly cute and funny. Um, but if you want to, if you want to get into it, if you want to like look at it analytically, there's a lot of stuff there to look at. And the whole time, I was kind of expecting it to kind of drop the ball, sort of thematically. That it was going to start strong, but then it was like maybe going to come back around to like, well, you know, yeah, but we need to work and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it doesn't. It actually kind of gets more anarchic as it goes. So I actually really appreciate it. Um, so yeah, ZOM 100, it's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a movie. I haven't watched that, like a live action movie. Um, but certainly the anime is worth watching. Yeah, that just dropped on Netflix, didn't it? The last, so it started, um, like middle of last year, oh, and okay. then it it like it got stopped because the the production in Japan stopped. Uh, mm. So this year, or or uh, not this year, but on Christmas they dropped the last three episodes. Uh, okay. So if you heard buzz about Zom One Hundred yes. again in the last few days. That's why, because yeah. we were waiting for the season fin- or for the last three episodes, and it turns out the last three episodes are a three-part season finale. Nice. So, yeah. So yeah, I saw cool. I saw a lot of the buzz, and I was like, oh, I should sit down and watch this. I'm sure my youngest would enjoy watching this because he likes all things anime, and he would probably get a kick out of this. But uh, we didn't get around to to watching it yet. So, if it made your best of list, I'm sure we will sit down and watch it at some point. So, yeah, Zom 100. All right, uh, comic book time for me. Read a lot of comic books in 2023, and I usually um, avoid the capes and tights type stuff, not just because I hate them. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time over Christmas uh, catching up on Spider-Man over at Marvel Comics. Uh, this year, I did enjoy the Infield Gang Massacre, which is part of that Texas Blood series. Uh, the Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, Where the Body Was, uh, dropped at the end of the year, and that was great. However, my favorite comic of 2023 is the Conan the Barbarian series over at Titan Comics by Jim Zub and various artists. Uh, I feel like this is this is really a great adaptation of, of Conan stuff. Uh, I've enjoyed stuff that Dark Horse has done. I've enjoyed stuff that Marvel has done. I enjoyed stuff that Dynamite kind of did. But it feels like if you follow Jim Zub and you know what he's been working on 
uh, the last couple of years, D and D stuff and, and those kinds of things. It feels like everything Jim has been working for was leading up to his run on Conan, the barbarian. And I have just loved it. Top to bottom. I, I kicked off in August of, of 2023. And I think the new issue issue six, I think launches on January 3rd, 2024. So he's not really gone through an complete giant arc yet, but, uh, I, he gets it. He gets Conan the Barbarian. And if you follow him on Twitter, you see him talking about it and, ha- and him talking about when he read the original books and other things that influenced him to bring this together and other Robert E. Howard things that he would like to do. Uh, it's just a really good, a good series. And if you're into barbarians and fantasy and you like Conan the Barbarian, then you should definitely check out this comic. And you know what? If you're a fan of Conan the Comedian, hey, go check out this comic, too, because you might like it as well. But Conan the Barbarian definitely made my favorite of 2023 in the comic book category. Before we get into our top two, I just wanted to say, hey, we have a patron Patreon page, patreon.com slash major spoilers, where you can go and you can support shows like Top 5 and other shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. Uh, We're hoping that in 2024, if you have not yet become a patron for a mere $5 a month, that we hope in 2024 you take the time. And now is the best time. The beginning of the year, make those New Year resolutions. I want to support favorite podcasts, and I love Top 5. Five bucks a month keeps this show going throughout the year. And you can even sign up for a full year in advance. So commit the $60 now and enjoy Top 5 for the entire year guilt-free. And if you're not feeling any guilt, then you should be, because we work hard to put this show out. And you need to come in and uh, make sure this show continues. Patreon.com slash major spoilers is where you want to go. And now, Matthew, we are into our number twos. Again with the mute switch. I hate Discord. Okay, so uh, 2023 was a year for me of occasional sadness because uh, my kid went off to school. So before they went off to school, we did a whole bunch of cool dad kid stuff. And one of the things that we did, probably the stupidest thing that we did, was uh, we went to a local movie theater, which is always stupid. But we did this at a certain point. And I want to say that it would have been early June, would have been the beginning of summer. And we sat down and we watched the entirety of The Flash. And then walked across the hall, bought another ticket, and sat down and watched Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. One of these movies is my number two film. The other of these movies is an abomination. So, if you can guess which, okay, you guessed. Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse is the sequel to the uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse movie that Stephen maintains, and not without support, is the greatest superhero film ever made. It is. It is by far the greatest superhero film ever made and is a very close rival to being one of the best animated films ever made. The Across the Spider-Verse adds a lot, I think, to the original, but it also adds it in a way that I like it, and it really does feel like the traditional sequel movie from when I was a kid. You get your Star Wars, pew, 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 and then you get... Oh, Return of the Jedi, and everything is all creepy and scary and dark. And, you know, as as Dante Hicks noted, it's all a series of downer endings. Into the Spider-Verse, 
takes what we know about Miles Morales, Spider-Man, and expands it uh, to, uh, in some ways, ridiculous uh, levels because we get to see Earth-65, where Spider-Woman, Gwen Stacy, is active. We get to see a bunch of alternate Earths. We get to uh, meet a Spider-Man from India. I believe his name was uh, Pavitra Prabhakar, which is just wonderful. And unlike the Spider-Man of India in the comics, he's actually interesting. Um, But the whole movie really kind of expands on, and expands in unexpected ways on what we got from Into the Spider-Verse. Now, I admit I'm a little bit multiversed out right now because literally everything has a multiverse. I'm just waiting for them to give me this weird multiverse version where we find out that Ted Mosby is actually uh, Ross from Friends, just in another universe, so it's on Earth 2. But honestly, the multiversal stuff here works, and it works in a way that you know a couple of things, like maybe your She-Hulk didn't work that the same way, and your uh, your Spider-Man, the uh, three Spider-Mans movie, what was that called? Uh, no way home, gonna go home, 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 whatever the home is. Um, that movie actually gets referenced in this film, which I think is the most just frightening part of the whole thing. But when I break it down, when I walk away from the, the into the spider verse movie, my thought was this miles Morales thing, this new stuff is cool. When I walked away from across the spider verse, I'm like, miles is cool, but now I want to know more about Hobie. And I want to know about Perviter, and I want to know about Spider-Bite. And when I walk away from a film with the, the desire to go to the Wikipedia and look for, you know, cool stuff, that to me is a successful movie. That really hooked my, my stupid collector's brain. So if you have not seen Across the Spider-Verse, you may want to watch it because sometime in the next 7 to 12 years, there's probably going to be a third one. Well, yeah, because uh, the uh, Across the Spider-Verse ends saying to be concluded. So, yes, Beyond the Spider-Verse is definitely going to come, whether it comes out this year or early part of 2025. We are going to have to wait on that. I find it funny that uh, there were people on Twitter that was like, this was a great year for the box office, even though there were no Spider-Man movies or no Marvel movies to be seen. And I'm like, what are you people? You're all idiots. Uh, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse came out and it is my number one movie of 2023 it is by far the best thing now again that i saw i didn't see oppenheimer i didn't go see barbie because i don't go to our movie theater because it sucks (laughs) but by far spider-man across the spider-verse is the best thing that was out there that i watched now am i going to watch oppenheimer or barbie probably not i have i have kind of i think run run the limits of or uh, gone the limits that I can with Christopher Nolan and some of his nonsensical stuff. Um, and so I uh, probably will not see that, but I know a lot of people are very excited about Oppenheimer and Barbie and uh, that's great. I'm glad. I'm sure that those two will get a lot of uh, nominations and whatnot when it comes time for the award season. But I think a lot of people just forgot about Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse and thought that it came out in 2022 when in fact it came out on June 2nd of 2023 and was good. I wish that they would have said somewhere in the promotions that this was a cliffhanger and that you would have to see the second movie or the third movie in, in this uh, trilogy. 
because I know a lot of people went in not knowing about the cliffhanger and then uh, being very uh, angry and disappointed on that opening weekend. At least with Dune, they had the smart sense. The very first thing that you saw as the movie started was Dune part one, right? And so yeah. you kind of knew right away, oh, so this is a, you know, I'm going to have to come back for another part. They didn't do that with Spider-Man across the universe, uh, across the Spider-Verse. And I think that that is something that did irritate a lot of people. Unfortunately, because of the way that this movie is, is produced, Lord Miller uh, didn't have a movie ready to go when the actors strike and the writer's strike started. And so that movie was supposed to come out like now, but um, actually April of this of this year. But now they've put it on hold because they don't know when it's going to be finished. It'll be finished because Sony has a lot of money riding on keeping the Spider-Man franchise. But it's going to be later than sooner before we get get the final um, Beyond the Spider-Verse movie. So Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, my number one movie of 2023. But let's go back to our number twos. Rodrigo, what do you have for your number two? My number two is Fire Emblem Engage, mm. uh, which mm. is a, a Switch game. Um, again, I feel like if most people got a hold of my list, they were like, you're ranking Fire Emblem Engage above Tears of the Kingdom. And here's the thing. Engage's um, Venn diagram with the stuff I like is almost a perfect circle. Um, mm-hmm. there are plenty of things about Fire Emblem that annoy me or that I don't like, but they are, um, the, the stuff that I like, especially that I like with Engage are, uh, are, are really minor in comparison. Um, a lot of people came into Fire Emblem, uh, a few years ago with Fire Emblem Three Houses and it just blew people away. I think it was, uh. I think it was like right before the pandemic uh, started. So people had a lot of opportunity to play it and get into it. Um, I don't remember. Don't quote me on that. Uh, but uh, again, like the sort of like uh, three pathway story really blew people away when they came in for this. They're like, wait a minute. Where's this like fantastic magical storyteller the storytelling that I was expecting and what they didn't realize is that every Fire Emblem game for the past, you know, 10 entries usually has some sort of gimmick, right? There's a, uh, at least one Fire Emblem game that started the gimmick of, like, char- you can actually marry characters off, and then they mm-hmm. have a baby, and now the baby becomes a unit in your army. Um, there are Fire Emblem games that uh, do other stuff that's completely... There's, there's a Fire Emblem game, there's at least one Fire Emblem game, where you basically do like a Pokemon is like one's, one's red, one's purple. And you, th- depending on which one you pick, the story's different. Um, and Fire Emblem's Three Houses gimmick was that branching storyline. So Fire Emblem Engage doesn't have a branching storyline because the gimmick is this thing where you get to equip characters from previous Fire Emblems, like their jewelry, and learn powers from them and then swap them around and get different powers on your guy. And then your guy has all these different powers and you get to customize how those powers work. And then you uh, get to play the game through like that. Uh, I played this game all the way through three times. I played it all the way through the first time around, doing like pretty normal stuff. The second time, I was like, okay, now I understand this game. I'm going to really get into it. And as I was playing it in the easy difficulty, because 
Fire Emblem hard difficulty is pretty tough, and often the medium difficulty is very tough. Um, as I was playing it in the easy difficulty, I realized that all of the like combos and interesting things that I wanted to do were way too powerful for the easy difficulty. So I'm like, ah, I got to go back and play it in the normal difficulty. So I played all the way through in normal. And at that point, I was just bouncing off the wall. I was like, hey, this guy is like a skinny knife guy. I'm going to turn him into a knight. And I have the knowledge of the game to actually make him a serviceable to pretty good knight. It's like, oh, this character comes in a course. I'm taking away their horse. I'm making him a marcher. Go to the back. You know, like, I'm just like, changing everything around, customizing every character, sitting down characters that are important to the plot and be like, I don't care about you anymore. I'm going to focus on this random guy that joins your army apparently for no reason. Um, and I had a great time with it. I, I played it for hundreds of hours. And it really took the DLC to finally make me go, okay, I'm tired of this game. Because uh, trying to beat the DLC... There's some maps in there that are like just really, uh, I don't know what I want to say. Like, it's not just that they're hard, they're like boring hard. Mm. Like, they're mm-hmm. like, they're like, the way to beat this is to like hole up and spend a lot of turns doing kind of nothing, waiting for the enemies to, to position themselves in such a way that you can get them or whatever. Um, so, uh, it was not, not as much fun than. But I still played a. I, I played almost the entirety of like the the final DLC stuff before I was like, okay, I can. I've I've played the S out of this game. I'm good to like set it down for now. So yeah, my number two Fire Emblem Engage. Very cool. Did you play it on uh, like expert mode or anything? Uh, I tried to give it a go in the most difficult mode just to try it out, and it is so difficult like you basically can't uh, and the the thing is that your units are weaker earlier on Mm -hmm. so the game kind of has a curve right like it actually starts out very hard because your units are so weak and then as you get stronger it gets easier and then there's like a difficulty spike so it starts to get hard again um so I, I I couldn't make it to that middle part at the hard, uh, uh, with the hardest difficulty um, because my characters were just too weak and I was used to characters you know, you're like your beefy characters being able to take one hit at least mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then be able to back them up afterwards but a lot of the time they couldn't, a lot of the time the enemies were so strong or the enemies had positioned themselves in such a way that uh, Either they couldn't take that one hit, or if they took that one hit, there was another enemy following it up. Um, so yeah, it's the, that that anybody who beats it in like the ultimate difficulty, I forget what it's called. It's called something real, like probably called something like terrible and ableist, like <laughs> ma- maddening or something like that. Um, right. But yeah, it's something like that. Right. it's fun it's fun to try but i was i tried it a little bit and i was like <laughs> all right uh we are now into our number ones i'm gonna i'm just i mean because none of mine are in the same category i can flop them around anywhere so i'm gonna put my number two up in the number one slot but let's uh, look at everybody's number one matthew what do you have for your number one favorite thing of 2023 well a moment ago i was complaining about how the latest thing is the thing that sticks in people's head and so i'm gonna go with that um, <laughs> because why not? When 
Amazon said, we're going to make a TV show out of the most horrifying comic book ever. I said, there's no way this is going to work. And then it did. And then they said, we're going to make a spinoff. But the spinoff is not going to just be this. We're going to double down and we're going to take the worst arc of the most horrifying comic book ever made. And we're going to turn it into its own show. And so when my number one, Gen V, came out, I didn't want to watch it because I have read the arc upon which Gen V purports to have been based. And I can tell you two things. One, anybody who's read that arc probably had the same response that I did, which is I don't ever want to see that on film. And two, it's not based on that at all. So if you have been avoiding Gen V, the spinoff of The Boys, because of the horror factor of, oh my God, are they actually going to do that? Be aware that this is literally something entirely new and different. But it's also something entirely new and different in a weird and creepy way. And I kind of like that. Um, it's got eight episodes. And each episode has its own moment of bizarre, crazy brilliance that I kind of like. There's a point where um, a character has been wandering around and he seems to be mentally ill. He seems to be seeing things. And he keeps saying, I don't care. You're all puppets. And so at one point, there's a huge fight sequence featuring this character. And we see from his point of view, he's not speaking metaphorically. It's literal Fraggle Rock puppets. But the entire action sequence, which would have been just a horrifying CGI slugfest, ends up being puppets. So instead of sprays of blood, we see big confetti blasts and glitter everywhere. And at one point, he has what looks like a Muppet's head attached to a spine and is beating people with it like a flail. And it's so funny and goofy and silly until you think about what it is that he's actually seeing to make this happen. And I will say this, I like a series that can surprise me because one of the bad parts of being me is that sometimes I'm too genre savvy and I'll go into episode one and I'll see that last episode twist coming and then i'll have to spend the whole show you know justifying where it's going to go but with this show i literally forgot exactly where we were what universe this takes place in so when episode eight ends the way episode eight ends i was mad at first and then i realized oh yeah that's the only way this could have ended in this universe well there's another way and it would have been everybody dies but then it'd be a what if so if you have not seen Gen V, please be aware that it does have sex. It does have violence. It does have uh, issues with self-harm and substance abuse. It has a mind controller who is just overtly terrible. But it's actually quite good. And the actors are super charming and do really, really fun stuff with their characters. So worst case scenario, you might be able to look at pretty people jumping around for eight episodes. That's always fun. It's still my number one, though, because I watched it just a few weeks ago. We ended up kind of glomming onto it and watching it all in the space of three weeks. And it's really good stuff. You should watch it. Very cool. Uh, Rodrigo, what do you have for your number one slot? Uh, my number one slot might also suffer from it being a, a, a more recent thing or, or maybe benefit from having been a more recent thing. But uh, it's probably the most one of the most impactful 
movies that I've seen uh, in a while, and that's Godzilla Minus One. Oh, yeah. Uh, have you guys seen it? I have not. I wanted to, but uh, again, but I hate going yeah, to our theater. Yeah. Understandable. Completely understandable. Um, I basically had to get dragged to see it to begin with because I don't love theaters. Um, but uh, my wife compromised by taking me to a theater that serves food. So I had I had a cheeseburger as a like she lured me in with a cheeseburger to, to actually go to the theater. Um, but once I was there, I was very happy uh, to have been so ruthlessly tricked into going to the theater because Godzilla Minus One is a really fantastic movie. I think basically the 99, was it 99, the Godzilla, 98 Godzilla from mm-hmm. the United States yeah. kind of broke sure Yeah, kind of broke Godzilla. And it broke Godzilla for everyone. Like the, the Japanese saw that movie and they were like, what's happening? You know, who are we? What are, what are any of us doing here? <laughs> and I think since then, there's been a lot of movies that have come out both in the United States and in Japan that are sort of trying to position Godzilla in different places, but sort of in a similar place, trying to like sort of regain the awe of Godzilla um, instead of seeing Godzilla as your, your cool friend who just happens to be taller than most buildings. Right. Um, which is certainly a, a direction that movies and TV shows went for a long time. Um, Godzilla Minus One is a retelling of the very first Godzilla movie. And unlike something like um, like the Godzilla King of Monsters movie, um, it is a small story. Uh, you know, Godzilla is... The first time you see Godzilla... He's not very big. I mean, he's big enough to be horrifying, but that's the thing because it does such a good job of keeping you at the scale of the people involved and getting you into the heads of the people involved. Godzilla is always just absolutely horrifying. There are so many scenes that like I close my eyes and I think about that scene and I'm like, good lord, like is Godzilla a scary thing? Like the idea of something that's this big, the idea of something that's like this angry at buildings, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, it's like, it has a great cast, it has a great story, um, and it has a great ending. And after watching it, I was like, wow, that was amazing. I hope they don't try to do this with any other Godzilla movie. I hope that Godzilla Minus One just kind of becomes its own little thing that that we can go back and watch. I hope because it, it it was way more successful than they expected, right? Yeah, it was yeah. especially here in the states. It was only going to run for like a couple weeks, and then through word of mouth, people went to see it, and they were like, "Oh, so it it I think it might actually still be in. I, I think it still is in theaters." Yeah, yeah, I think like, it is. It's not in our theater. Week. Yeah, it, it's not in our theater. It left the Thursday before Christmas, but it, it was yeah. here for like three weeks. My, I've got a student that is like a mega Godzilla fan. And yeah. was just like, this is the best Godzilla movie ever. It's probably even better than the original Godzilla. He knows Godzilla inside and out. And so yeah, he had nothing but good things to say about this. Yeah, it's really yeah, good. Mega it's like, was the robot, though, I think. The what? Mega Godzilla was the robot guy. Mega Godzilla, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. the robot. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was a joke. Okay, never mind. Um, yeah, it does for for Godzilla fans because you might be like, well, going back to the original Godzilla, what does that do for uh, new Godzilla fans? It re envisions a lot of how Godzilla works. So the first time you see Godzilla use his breath weapon, it's like it's different. It's a different experience, and it's like, oh my god, if this is the way that Godzilla works now. Like you just start doing like things in your head, like it's like oh well, oh crap, oh no. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah, definitely, it was my my wife loved it. My wife has uh, it. It she got into Godzilla with like the sort of new American Godzilla movies, like Godzilla King of Monsters, mm-hmm. um, Godzilla versus Kong. Oh yeah, and she's um, probably pretty excited she, about the upcoming uh, Kong and Godzilla she, buddy cop. She, thing. She, she yeah she's she's excited about Kong X Godzilla as yeah. a long time uh, internet shipper. She's very okay. excited that they're just uh, openly going to do that. Um, oh. And uh, but but this movie just like reset her brain, like it just like recategorized all of the Godzilla stuff that she had seen before. Um, and again, hard for me to go to a theater. She's gone to see it at least twice, maybe three times. So, so that, that tells you something it's for the whole family. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Cool. I cannot wait for it to hit the digital so I can watch it, but yeah, very much looking forward to it. All right. Uh, so here we go with my last, uh, entry for my favorite things of 2023. It is a television show and it is now in season three. I, I was blown away by season one and just thought it was the greatest thing. It's based on a series of books called, uh, uh, slow horses, and it's a it's a thriller kind of British spy thing where these uh, screw up MI5 agents all end up at this place called Slough House. And through shenanigans, they always end up uh, getting involved in a big case, uh, whatever. I wasn't I didn't like season two as much, probably because it took place during the summertime and, and everything was brightly lit. But November 29th, uh, Slow Horses season three dropped on Apple TV plus, And oh, man, it is good. And I think season three is the point where so many other people suddenly realized, oh, Slow Horses is the thing that I should be watching. Gary Oldman's a really great actor. And it's like, yeah, he is. And all the people that are in it are great actors. And the stories are good. And actually, uh, I've been starting to read the books uh, in the series as well. And I just watched uh, season two again after uh, reading the book. And I thought the book was better than than the season two, but I understand why they did it. Season three just is a total changer in how they approach uh, spycraft in the modern age. And it is very good. Has you on the edge of your seat. Dr. Brad Will was like, don't tell me anything that happens. Uh, We're not finished with it yet. And I had to tell him, well, Brad, if you're worried that something bad is going to happen, just remember there's like seven or eight books in this series and uh, Slow Horses has already been renewed for season five. So you don't have to worry about the show being canceled. So, uh, yeah, Slow Horses season three, really good. If you like the spy thriller stuff, if you're a fan of Gary Oldman, uh, then you definitely need to check out this show. It is a banger, as the Brits would say. So there you go, ladies and gentlemen, our top five of 2023. What are some of your top five things of this past year in media? Right. Not in not like, oh, I got a new job. That's great. We're very happy for you. But we're specifically talking about in media that you were exposed to in 2023. Here's how you can participate in this little show that we have. It's called Discord. 
So go over to our Discord server. There's a link in the show notes. Jump into the top five channel. Everybody will already be talking about their top five things. Why? Because everybody loves a list and we will talk with you soon. This podcast is copyright 2024 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.